Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. So, how are you? Um, well, I've sort of recovered. I've, I've got a bit of a two-day hangover, if I'm honest with you, because obviously we, oh we, were, we were not parents on Sunday and Monday. The kids stayed over at Lucy's house. Um, our nanny's obviously working, and she's, like, helping us out three days a week. So we've got our childcare as well, which is amazing. Um, and, yeah, she had them overnight. They absolutely love going there as well. Luna was like, sleep over. And in my head, I was thinking, she doesn't know, but we're going to go out and get really drunk with our friends in the garden. <laughs> it was really really good fun oh do you know we actually had a few drinks on Saturday night with our friends but I feel like I always have in the back of my mind if the kids are there I just can't quite let loose of course you can't. even though James wasn't drinking but I still can't quite like just yeah. yeah but yeah it was still nice to have you know a bit of time with friends and stuff so it's the ultimate responsibility isn't it and it never and like <sighs> we said last week um, like you said, it doesn't really matter if you've got other people around you, like your mum and, and you kind of feel like it's going to fall on your shoulders. So that's why I said to Doz, I was like, I'm going to go. So if we can get childcare sorted for the night, then please come with me. If not, you're going to have to do it because it's my turn. And I, ne- I just needed to have a little bit of space. And I woke up on the Monday, sorry, like, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock, banging headache. Oh, like, my sense God. Of freedom. Yeah, exactly. And knowing that you can just lay in bed if you want to. Yeah, you which did. you want. Oh. Dream. Do you know what? Childcare, we were talking about it, wasn't we, on Instagram? Um, it is so difficult at the moment. I think there's so many people feeling so stuck because if you haven't sorted, if you hadn't sorted your childcare before lockdown, which I know a lot of people who are on maternity leave at the moment won't have done, then it's really, really tricky because no nurseries, um, you know, a lot of childminders off a booked you know they their capacity is lower and they can't take on new people so um yeah really like it's, it's a really challenging time in terms of childcare. yeah and it's one of those things that you don't want to necessarily well you can't scrimp and kind of think oh well they'll be all right here if you don't get a good feeling from it so actually finding yeah. a person that's going to be either be looking after them for a few hours whatever it is or you know if, if you know if you want to go down the nanny route then great if you want to get them into a nursery trying to find like you said that if there's slots available for them it is a bit of a minefield it is but don't exactly. give up persevere no exactly <laughs> bubble, weren't you yeah I mean there's loads I, I personally got um I found 
Ch- Chelsea, who's looking after Axel and Gigi, just through a friend. She actually lives on my road, which is strange. Um, and, you know, just word of mouth. But obviously mm. there's Bubble, there's childcare.co.uk. Like before when we moved house and I couldn't get Axel into a nursery, we had a nanny um, when Axel was, I think, about a year and a half. And yeah. I found her on childcare.co.uk. So there are so many um, resources out yeah. there to, to find someone if you are in, in a bit of a tricky situation. We found... Um, the lovely Lucy on the Surrey Nanny Network which is a Facebook group I think if you actually go onto Facebook they've got all these different groups of you know nannies and babysitters and you can kind of put in whatever you need really so that's yeah. what but we're not talking about childcare yeah. today we're no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about surrogacy yeah I mean it's something we've never discussed before not even between us no no, I was, no exactly it's, I mean it's not something that we've personally had to think about um but I know a friend of mine has thought about it and he's, you know, been doing lots of research and sort of has said how difficult it is as well to get information. Well, it's illegal in this country. You can't pay, you, obviously in surrogacy is not illegal, but you can't pay a surrogate. So you can't be seen to be making money from surrogacy. That's basically no. in the UK at the moment. But you can pay for a surrogate's um, expenses. But they're just it, the infrastructure is not really set up here. Whereas in America, it's quite big business, right? I mean, I hate yeah, using the word, but you get paid a lot of money for it over there. Yeah, and I think quite a lot of people from the UK go to America because yeah. I mean, it costs a lot of money, but the, the you know the setup is there, the processes are there, um, yeah. and I think you know, doing it in the UK, as our guests will will sort of say, it's difficult to find the information and sort of find the route and um, get get all of the resources that you need. Actually, I think there's a bit of a taboo in this country around this subject. You know, people have very strong opinions about whether, you know, it should be allowed and should you be able to choose your child's you know, hair colour and eye colour and skin colour and, you know, all of those types of things. You know, some people get very kind of heated about it. Me personally, I think if you want to have a child and you can't have a child, if you're a same-sex couple, um, you know, you do whatever you can to feel like you're part of that family unit. And this comes down to love, you know, whether you're a gay couple and you want to have a child and you, you can't carry it yourself or you know you're a lesbian couple and one of you can do it but you need an egg donor whatever it takes to get a child for me and for you I, I don't like putting words yeah. in your mouth, but I know you feel the same you know you yeah. just we need to appreciate that it's not as easy for some people as it is for others yeah no I mean I, I believe that everyone you know I should experience being a parent if they want to in whichever way they want to as well whether that be surrogacy adoption however that happens mm. um, I think everyone has the right to do that really I agree with you so that's why today's chat is going to be a really exciting one um, they are kind of real big instagrammers they've got um, two dads.u.uk on instagram and they are really promoting same-sex surrogacy in this in this country um, they've got three children in total and um, they are called mike and wes uh, today we're chatting to two dads let's get into it You know what, Georgia and I always feel incredibly lucky that we get to speak to the people that we do on this podcast. Yeah. Today is a particularly special one because we've never spoken to anybody about surrogacy before, let alone a gay couple. Um, So today we are going to really delve deep into the subject. This particular couple have a 16-year-old girl who uh, was from a previous marriage. They then have Tallulah, who is four uh, in October. She was born via surrogacy. They have their gorgeous little boy, Duke, who is 10 months old. Today we are chatting to Mike and Wes from Two Dads. Hello. Hey. Hey. 
<laughs> how are you guys? We're, we're, we're really good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. we're all right. Good. Not too bad, thanks. And how's lockdown been treating you? Um, it's it's been fairly kind, I guess. Um, it was a bit rough at the start, but then we kind of adjusted. Yeah, kind uh, of found your rhythm. Yeah, it's been really tough because we don't normally have the kids with us 24-7, which yeah. is yeah. a real challenge. But it's kind of double-edged sword, really, because we've, we've really seen Duke come on and, and some of those things we would have missed. But equally, it's been really difficult to try and keep work on track and, yeah. and yeah. kind of get a break. But I think we've all kind of found a level of where we're all happy. Yeah, and we're, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're safe, family are safe. Um, it's just been a, a bit of an experience, really. How have yeah. you been handling kind of juggling? Because, you know, obviously if there's a two, uh, two parents in the household that both work, are you taking it in shifts? So one of you does the morning, one of you does the afternoon. How, what does it look like? No, we, we've, we have tried that and it didn't really work for us. And what I've kind of, because I felt like I was failing on both sides. I was failing at being a dad, but I was also yeah. failing at work. So I kind of have taken a bit of a step back. Uh, so that Michael can do more of the stuff that he needs to do and I'm kind of looking after the kids a bit more. Right. Yeah, it, it was, it, I think it was just finding that, finding what worked really, because um, like Wes said, we we just, the first the first four weeks were just horrendous anyway. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. it was it was fear, it was the unknown, it was a lot of wine. Um, yeah, loads. Yeah. Like so much wine. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then just lots of anger and just moaning so we, we we it took us a while but we 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 found this sort of new way of doing yeah. stuff and it seems to be working all right now oh, I think everyone's got to that like we sort of had boiling point around four weeks like four weeks into lockdown and then after that it's been sort of a you know a bit of a roller coaster but we've definitely found our flow a little bit more now mm. I definitely think that it'll change as going forward as well because I don't think we'll go back to how we were previously I think no. it's kind of it, it is a new way for us but I think it's a way that we kind of enjoy yeah yeah absolutely. I really hope that we don't go back to the way things were and I think what hopefully this has done is that it's proved to all the big you know the big corporations there's some of the bigger employers that actually we can work from homes with our laptops we can make it happen and we're, we are just as productive so hopefully it's going to be a yeah. good Absolutely. Agreed. Good yeah, thing. Agreed. Um, now, listen, guys, let's just kind of get into your journey. Can you kind of start from the beginning about, you know, what it was what it was like when you first had that conversation with each other about wanting to have children? So Wes and I met uh, at Birmingham Pride in June 2012. And um, I was new, fairly newly single. Wes was single and met him and just kind of knew that uh, he, this was someone I needed to get know a little Bit, bit better so you know we moved quite fast in our relationship and after sort of four months we were engaged and it was around about that period where I had the conversation quite early because I I always wanted to be a parent and right. hadn't, just hadn't had that opportunity in previous with previous boyfriends that I'd had they never wanted children and um and yeah we 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 had that dialogue quite early of me going right um, I'm going to sound like an absolute crazy person now, but do you want kids with me? Um, and if so, when? And <laughs> he, he was quite open to it and was like, do you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that if you want if you want kids. And I suppose for me, I'd never really seen it as a plan going forward because I already had a daughter, but then, but I wasn't yeah. against it. And I kind of thought, you know, it, being a dad's an amazing thing. And, and if Michael wants to be a dad, then I'm really happy to work as a couple to see how we can make that happen. So... We obviously had to, our preferred route was surrogacy. Um, and we started doing the 
investigations and exploring and and you know it's it's a it's a minefield out there and one of the yeah. one of the issues with surrogacy is there's there's just not one central point to collate all of this information and research so it was like three years of of, of research really of just trying to understand the countries you could go to or what the UK was like or what the law was like um, and that's what we what we did and so what is the process in the UK okay so in the UK, um, commercial surrogacy uh, isn't permitted by law. But so that uh, means you can't pay someone. Yeah, correct. So you can't yeah. you can't profit from surrogacy. But what you can do is you can you can uh, altruistic surrogacy is perfectly acceptable and legal, and that means that a surrogate can be reimbursed reasonable expenses to carry a child. Right. Um, and there are two types of surrogacy. Um, you've got traditional surrogacy and you've got host or gestational surrogacy. Um, and we went for gestational or host surrogacy. And that basically means our surrogate doesn't use her eggs. Yeah. We, we have an egg donor as well. Um, and we have IVF. Uh, and then the, uh, the, the blastocyst, the embryo is then put back inside our surrogate for safekeeping. And that's the option that, that we opted for. Is that a more expensive option? Is that because, yeah, it, and sorry, it is. It, 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 is the mentality behind that because you don't want the surrogate uh, to be the biological mother? Yeah, I think, you know what, for us and back back then, um, that was exactly what, what we uh, wanted to do. Yeah. And also, you know, uh, I mean, buying, we, you know, we need to, we need eggs uh, and we needed a surrogate to make it happen. So we, you know, we needed to buy uh, donor eggs and that it's really expensive unfortunately that's one of the downsides uh, with the route that we took is that the eggs are very expensive but equally we wanted to be able to choose some of the features of our egg donor so if Michael and I were able to create a family naturally then we wanted to try and create the one which would look most like us so uh, because yeah. Michael we were going to use Michael's sperm we used my characteristics to choose the egg donor so that when the the, the baby was you know touch would hopefully born it would have my characteristics so that it would look like if we were going to create a family of our own. So that's how we kind of went down that. So we chose, because there's only certain characteristics you can know from an egg donor. So we chose, yeah. we wanted blue eyes. We wanted them to be tall. I'm not tall, neither is my, but we wanted to try and give them an advantage in life. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted them to be blonde, fair skinned. So, you know, all of those things. And it's exactly, you know, if you look at Tallulah now, she's exactly all of those elements. Yeah, it's incredible, really, what they how they helped us match um, the egg donor for Tallulah. Because the UK egg donation, as, as you might know, is classed as non-anonymous. Um, so what that yeah. means is that, you you know, we will we will get, or Tallulah will, will be able to have non-identifiable information when she's 16, and then she can have full disclosure of her donor when she's 18 if she wants to. Right, um, okay. Whereas in the States or in other places... It's you know you look through a catalogue and you choose your donor, whereas that that can't happen here. Wow! And how do you go about choosing whose sperm to use? Um, that's a really good question, actually. It's one that we get asked quite often. Yeah, and yeah. Be quite a tricky conversation and quite a tricky mm-hmm. discussion to have. But for Michael and I, because I already had a daughter, it was yeah. a really simple conversation, which was very comfortable. Uh, we 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 speak to lots of couples where this is a real challenge about how yeah. They, 
Hoga's first, people have tossed coins that, you know, there's been lots of different ways that uh, people have decided. And, and ultimately, it's one that I think is quite a difficult and personal one between, mm. you know, I think with you, I think you have to be really careful of resentment. Because yeah, it's, it's a real particularly, you know, in the same sex male community, I, I know, as like Wes said, it can be a real challenging topic. But for, for us, thankfully, it was it was a really straightforward thing to do. So, um, yeah, that was that was how we made the decision. It was just the obvious thing for us to choose. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to you know the conversation that lots of people who struggle to get pregnant naturally probably go through, and also people that have adopted children. At the end of the day, if you are raising a child as your own and you're providing emotionally, financially, you know everything else that comes with being, and they call you dad. That's your child, regardless of whether the sperm, regardless of where the sperm comes from. And I think, you know, I was trying to have that conversation with my sister when she was thinking about having because my sister can't have children. And she said, I said, you know, you could get a donor egg, and then she was like, but then that wouldn't be my baby. And I said, but you'd be ca- you, you've carried it, like you would look after it. You do. Some people see it differently, but I feel like we need to blast that taboo up because if you are looking, yeah. at it, and I think how you think about it pre and how you think about it uh, post are. Uh, miles apart I mean I'll be the first to admit that you know I was apprehensive about how I would feel and what emotions I would feel uh, bringing up a child bringing a child into the world that wasn't biologically mine yeah what I can tell you is that it makes absolutely no difference at all and that when that child first comes into your life you just you've got nothing but love for it and and I think biology matters much less once your child is born than when you're planning it yeah, yeah absolutely and did you ever consider adoption or was that never going to be an option and surrogacy was the only way that you wanted to be parents and and you know what this question we we, we get asked um quite quite a, a bit too we adoption for us was never really on the cards and yeah. um, it was just never how we saw um building our family and and it wasn't we would it, it wasn't a never it was just the first option for us to explore was always surrogacy um because there were I guess if I'm being totally truthful there were milestones that I wanted to experience as a parent um you know whether that's going to scans going to appointments seeing your baby kick you know I I, I wanted to you know completely feel every element to what what that journey was like and 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 you know and, I, and I'm not ashamed to admit it I wanted to I wanted to experience a little mini me I wanted that I did want like and this is where I contradict some of the stuff that Wes says I wanted that biological connection from the get-go yeah. but it wasn't and then until we had um Duke which is non is my non-biological child that then I completely understand what Wes um, means because there is no difference between the love that I've got for T and Duke. That's amazing. We do get asked a lot about why didn't we adopt, and some people think that uh, you know adoption should be our preferred route. And you know, there's lots of children in the world that need parents, and that's absolutely true. Uh, but for us, uh, you know, we wanted biological children, and we're not ashamed to say that because I think it's you know you only get one shot at life, and you, you, you've got to make it what you want it to be. And for us you know, having that biological link was really important to us. And for other people, that's less important. Uh, but for us, it was an option that we wanted. Mm-hmm. W- were there any kind of unsuspected challenges during the process that you found? Yeah, there, yeah, there, 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 were, there were. And um, there were, I think, 
firstly, the, the time that this takes is is can be quite draining, and I think the cost can be for some people out of reach. Um, so that that can be an issue. Um, but then when you start on the process and then, you know, working with a clinic that's got a reputable surrogacy program is, is what you obviously need to be doing. So, so that part of the process is really smooth. It's once you're pregnant and it's once you, you are, you enter the NHS is when you think, oh shit. Yeah, this is, these guys are not ready for two men, a surrogate and a husband to all be in the same room together. Oh wow! They, They just don't, they just you can you can see them they're quite panicked because if they don't have the appropriate policy then then this is risk for them. there are safeguarding risks in in, in that nhs language yeah. and 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 i think the problem is that the the the, the surrogacy the, the the surrogacy arrangements act which is what was it michael 1985 yeah and that that's what everything else streams down from that you know nhs policy all of those things so Ultimately, the the Surrogacy Arrangement Act isn't fit for purpose for you know creating modern families. So all of the then the, the, the drip down elements of that are also not fit for purpose. So you know NHS policy, you know it's just not it's just not fit for purpose for people like us who create our families uh, in this way, and it's just not up to date. So you know some of the f- challenges that we faced were with the NHS, and and it wasn't that they were going out of their way to make it difficult for us. No, not at all. It was just that you know. The policies weren't fit for purpose, and some some NHS trusts don't have not don't have the experience of doing you know a same sex. Uh... And that was that was the issue with with our particular trust. I think they had they didn't have a pleasant experience um, before us, and that was the, their only experience of surrogacy. So I think their guard was up, and um, I... they were just not quite sure how to deal with us. So you know what they got from us was we we pushed back on certain elements and it was the first you know our 12 week appointment that we had it that it set the tone unfortunately and um the consultant was again very much reading uh, an out of date policy and he was uh he, he was uncomfortable you could see he was uncomfortable from the start but he was he was basically telling us what we couldn't do rather than what we could do. So and we were so excited to be there. It was our first oh. scam. We were just like, you know, this was the start of it. We were so, and we came out of that uh, appointment just so deflated, didn't we? Yeah, he was, you know, so, you know, it, it, there were things like, well, you know, first of all, there's four people in this room. These rooms aren't big enough to, you know, you can't all be in this room. And when you have a scan, you, you know, we can't really accommodate all, all of you in a scan. Um, you, when this child's born, um, we just need to set your expectation that we, we can't, we can't provide a room for you. Um, you'll need to have the baby handed over to you off site, possibly in the car park. Um, you won't have your baby's name on the wristband. Uh, it will need to have the surrogate surname because, you know, in the eyes of the law, and this is where obviously surrogacy thankfully has been reformed but in the eyes of the current law a surrogate and if she is married they are the legal parents of your child until you apply for your parental order so up until your child's four and a half five months old the legal mother and legal father are the surrogate and her husband wow 
So you have to get your head around that from the beginning and you have to educate healthcare professionals about that, really, because not many people know that. So, yeah. And as you can imagine, that can present itself lots of lots of problems. You know, you know, if your child needed, uh, you know, special specialist care when it was born, then the, you know, the medical team would need to get consent from the surrogate and her husband rather than us. Even though the baby's living with you and Mike they would have to go to the baby's legal parents, the surrogate and her husband, to get any form of consent around medical stuff. And it all has to go through them in the first four or five so months. You, well, what you do, you do, all your, you do your, all your pre-consents when you're on the maternity ward. So once your baby's born and on the lead up to, you make sure, and this is one of the things that some people get, get wrong, you make sure that your, your midwifery team and your team, your consultants and your healthcare professionals get all of your consents done in advance. Um, so if you don't do that, then, then you could be faced with those types of, you know, challenges that you've just explained. Um, Mm -hmm. but this was a real journey for us to, to learn about. So we were, we were, we were fortunate that the NHS trust wanted to learn, but, you know, we, we had to issue, um, legal proceedings intention to sue because when, when we had our, our appointment, we came away and we were just gutted because we were like, this wasn't the experience that we thought we were going to have. Um, so, you know, we, we didn't we didn't want any type of financial benefit to, to sue. We just wanted to change the policy. So we, we got a solicitor and we, we drafted a, you know, a, a strongly worded letter. And I think, was there about 12 counts of discrimination? Ultimately, it was about the, the trust was discriminating against us because they wouldn't treat everyone else in the same way that they were potentially treating us. So we yeah. did have to, you know, get, get advice from our solicitor. And, you know, the, well, well, once we realised that there was that many counts, we were just, you know, and some people would just accept what the trust was saying and, and just put up with it. But for us, it, we have this mantra through our relationship and it's about it feeling right. And we came out of that, uh, consultation saying this just doesn't feel right and we're just not going to accept this because this is not what we this is not the journey we set out to yeah and I guess you wanted to pave the way for other parents as yes. well so that no one had to go through the same you know same things as yeah. you had yeah and you know Michael mentioned you know having the, the babies named uh, on on the tag you know to some people and to the trust that you know that's quite an insignificant thing you know and it's like why why is that such a hassle but but for us that was a massive thing because that was the first thing that our baby's name was going to be on, the first piece of, you know, the first time we would see our baby's name would be on that tag. So for us, it was a massive thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, actually, this isn't because we know, we all know how incredible the NHS are in terms of their care. And, you know, um, when we absolutely need to sort of highlight that here, this is, a, this, is, this is something that they need to be re-educated on. And like you said, the law needs to be it, it, it all the policies need to be set out in a completely different way because this isn't this isn't something that perhaps they've experienced before but this is the modern family this is the way the modern people pe- people in the families look so it's not okay for them to go oh well we haven't had anyone like this in before it's like well there are plenty of families that are doing it this way and that needs to be just as accepted and just as acceptable as a same-sex couple going in why shouldn't yeah, all four that makes my blood boil, to be honest yeah. with you. And this is not going to change. This is only going to increase. You know, more and more people are going to be creating their families this way. It's becoming more and more accessible. Uh, so they need to kind of, and, and you know, the, the, the upside of this is, is that, you know, we we built an amazing relationship with them. You know, they didn't discriminate with us because they took heed of, of the notice and then wanted to work yeah. with us. 
We had right. an amazing experience with the right. trust that had been born, yeah. and you know we couldn't fault them. No, and the, and the great the great thing was this this trust rewrote their policy and they rolled it out to other trusts in their CCG in the northwest, and other trusts then adopted this policy. So. Because of because of working with them to to change the policy, so many other families through surrogacy will have had a far more inclusive experience because of a policy that was created by not only the healthcare professionals but us and our surrogate. So it kind of created a wave then for us to go right. What else can we do? What else can we do to? To, to make things far easier for people. And that's really when Two Dads UK started to gather a bit more momentum. We'll be right back after the short break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So welcome back, uh, back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Where were we? You must be super proud of every, like everything you've achieved to this day. I mean, amazing. <laughs> when we went through this process, there was no one point of contact or organisation that could help us. We then wanted yeah. to create that organisation so that where people were in our position, they didn't have to do three years worth of research and, and you know go around the houses. They could come to us and say, right, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do now. You know, We help people understand what their route to fatherhood is and give them all of the options so that they can make decisions for themselves. Yeah, I mean, wow. Um, just, go, just going back to when you first um, announced you know, to your friends, your family, your colleagues that you were pregnant... How did they react? Is it something that you discussed, um, you know, probably with your family, but with your friends? How, how did people react and what questions came up? Um, I think because of the journey that you go on for surrogacy and obviously being two men, um, yes, you can be all coy. And yes, you know, unlike, I guess, heterosexuals that are using surrogacy, it's usually the last chance really so if you're if you're trying to conceive or struggling to conceive and you're and you're heterosexual surrogacy is normally your last option yeah um so it's very private usually whereas for two men it's normally our first option so we were quite vocal about it and we we spoke and we 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 spoke about our journey quite publicly um but when we came to announce that that pregnancy i'm i'm one of two boys as is wes and both our brothers are gay um so my my parents never thought they would have grandchildren but always longed to to have them and um and 
when we announced that we were we were pregnant you know my you know my parents were in floods of tears you know my mom was my mom's one of 11 children and she was the only one that didn't have grandchildren um so it, it what's amazing about surrogacy is just the impact it has on 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 people's lives that you just wouldn't understand normally but we, we were we were really great that we were surrounded by loads of supportive friends and family that were really rooting for this to work for us yeah, yeah. what sort of relationship did you have with your surrogate yeah we we still have a really amazing relationship with our surrogate and you know obviously we didn't know our surrogate when we first started the the journey and you know we built a relationship over a number of years and she was also the surrogate for our son duke as well so she did it twice for us you know surrogates are amazing people and very selfless uh but we we still have an amazing relationship with her it's uh she's she's now we class when we started this journey we didn't expect the relationship to develop into the one that it did and we didn't expect our surrogate to be a part of our lives going forward but uh, she absolutely is and uh you know we keep in constant contact with her she's 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 amazing and uh she would do it again for us if she could yeah although we we'll maybe talk about this a bit later on but (laughs) michael wants another one and i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) you want another call michael i want yeah well we i really do yeah i i I'm just I'm like one of those crazy people that just loves babies and just want another child and Wes because we still have blastocysts in the freezer yeah. from both of our cycles so I've, I've got two left and Wes has got four and I'm like just let's just have one more baby please oh and Wes is like I'm like no, no. It's, have you have you have you alive for the last 10 months and realize how hard it's been how, how much sleep we haven't had <laughs> Can we talk about how much it costs? Uh, so that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so our our first round, so the, the total cost to create our embryos, our surrogates expenses, to pay for our eggs, a little bit of legal costs, cost us about £32,000. Whoa. And, and then we had a failed transfer. So it worked first time on our transfer with Tallulah. And then two years later, we, we started to try again and, we this time we were using Wesley's sperm and we we, we sourced a different egg donor because unfortunately the clinic contacted our first egg donor and she couldn't donate again which was a real shame so the plan was always that we use the same egg donor for a sibling journey so yeah. that did that, that be that genetic uh and it and, and it and it wasn't meant to be and it, we were gutted but we just got back on the horse and and they found us a, a another donor that was the criteria that we asked for and um, we created all these embryos and we did a transfer and it failed. And then also all of our embryos also all died. So that that cycle overnight cost us £12,000 and oh, it wow. just all, all went wrong. So, so that that then um, went into the, the mix. Um, and then we had our third round. Um so that round probably cost us about another £35,000. Um, so it's it's certainly, it, it was certainly an expense. Now, it doesn't have to be that expensive. Um, we, we had a couple of bumps in the road that created that way. But if you break the cost down, you know, generally surrogates expenses are anything between 10 and sort of 15, £16,000. So that's that's usually a typical surrogate's expenses for that period. Yeah, a big cost, and I don't think people realise is you know eggs can cost up to about eight eight grand. Yeah, 
And then your IVF, your IVF and eggs is usually about ten, twelve thousand pounds. Was there a point during the process where you thought, "What, what are we doing here?" Like, what, what sort of insecurities or fears came up around the surrogacy? It's really strange because I think a lot of people that don't understand surrogacy have that, um, "Oh my God, the surrogate's going to keep the baby," um, and that you know, I think if you don't understand surrogacy, that's a very genuine and, and a real fear to have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you quickly realise that surrogates don't want to keep these babies. So surrogates want to hand them back. You know, surrogates are, are doing the most incredible task for these intended parents. And once you understand that, then that... And I think once you also build your relationship with your surrogate, mm-hmm. you start to, you know, understand mm-hmm. their, their rationale and why they want to do that. You know, every every surrogate has a different story, but, you know, particularly it's about wanting to help people. Yeah. Um so that that fear very quickly goes for for me it was about um there's a there's a with any type of parenting there's that responsibility and and I guess I was just you know was I being selfish because I wanted to be a dad and this child was going to have to come into the world having two dads that may not have it easy and that was something that I toiled with because I was like yeah, I, I, I've got this urge to be a parent, but is this child's going to, you know, live a very, you know, a, a new normal life and maybe the only child in their class with two dads. And and so so I, I really battled with that, thinking, am I being really selfish about wanting children? And, and is this something that I should pursue? And um, again, I think that's quite normal when you're a same sex family. Yeah. Um, I think that was something that we we both felt. But the the great thing was when we had our kids, and we then we started talking to more more families, and we were looking at nurseries. You know, Tallulah's one of three other children with from a same sex family, and you then quickly start to understand that oh, you know, you know, we're not the only ones, and and she's going to have more more peers that have got two moms or two dads, and. And it, you, you very quickly realised that, yeah, that was just a whole waste of time, just worried for, for no reason. Yeah. And I think it's also about equipping them ready for when they do get in those situations where they're yeah. challenged or they're asked, they're equipped with all of the right tools to be able to answer the questions and be confident and be... I mean, Tallulah is the fiercest little girl I know, and she she does not put up with any nonsense and will confidently and proudly tell you about her two daddies. Yeah, it's the first thing she tells people. You know, she asks them their favourite colour, she tells them her name, and then she reminds them she's got two dads. Oh, so amazing. She, She's like super proud of um, of her little family unit. It's 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 adorable. And have there been any difficult situations? Probably for Tallulah more so because she's older, um, or has have you know has, has she you know been absolutely fine? Um, for now, I think she's been fine. There hasn't been. I mean, she's been asked at nursery, and she just she's very you know she, she what? just talks about her family, and she doesn't see it as anything other than just her family. So for her, that's her normal. She she has um, last year. She asked us if she would ever be a mummy, and mm-hmm. and my heart like like sank a tiny bit, and I was like, oh, what do you mean, darling? She's like. You know, I've not got a mummy, but does that mean I won't be a mummy? And I'm like, no, not at all. So we had to explain, you know, about that she can be a mummy if she wants to. It's, you know, it's it's not for everybody, but you know, if she wants to be a mummy, then that's fine too. Yeah. And, you know, we 
you know, we, we, she, oh, then, and then she asked, you know, when she's older, will she get a mommy? And so we, we had to be really honest with her. We were like, no, darling, you, you'll never have a mommy and you're, you're really special and you're really lucky. You've got two daddies, you've got a big sister, you've got a nanny and you've got all of these lovely aunties around you. But let's be, let's be really truthful. You're, you're never going to have a mommy. But it's just the only way really is about being truthful and and not, and not kind of, you've, you've got to be honest with them. And, you know, there'll come a time when we have to talk in more detail about how Tallulah came into the world and how it all happened. But, you know, that that's one of those things we're going to have to face when the time's right and when it's appropriate. Yeah. Have you guys had that conversation between the two of you on how maybe you, you would start that? Would you wait for her to come to you or do you feel like you want to be the ones to present it to her? No, I think we, we have had a conversation about it and we, we, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of books that help under, donor-conceived children understand, you know, in, in, in an appropriate way. But we are also uh, starting to drip feed stuff through to her, you know, so that it becomes part of everyday conversation rather than just this this one-off big big event yeah uh, and she's you know she's she she understands uh where she grew where she grew and the 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 part that her surrogate played in her life and you know so we, we're, we're always talking about our surrogate and she comes to visit and we go to visit so you know she is a part of Tallulah's life so Tallulah understands that she grew in her tummy and she helped her daddies and you know so I think it's just about you know drip feeding that information through when it's appropriate so that it isn't like one big event and it she then struggles to get her head around it. Mm. Sounds amazing, guys. Um, I just wanted to ask G, um, obviously, we are obsessed with your Instagram page. We love following you guys. Um, and I kind of want to sort of move on to, you know, what your sort of goal is. But before I ask yeah. you, is, do you ever receive any negativity around what you're doing? And if so, how do you deal with that? You can, you can send me and Georgia in to fight for you because we're... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, actually. Up until now, we hadn't faced a lot, had we, Michael? No. Really? And we've, we do, we've done some big campaigns, some brand collaborations, you know, over the year to to, to promote same-sex parenting. And and we've yeah. been, we were, and not too long ago, we were going, oh, we've been really lucky. You know, we've not, we've never really had much grief. Yeah. But then uh, just last week, uh, there was a campaign which we did with Cowan Gate. And Cowan Gate did a, a, a launch to do with Pride. Uh, and then we got, we got hit hard on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, and it wasn't, and you know, Michael and I can take getting hit hard because you know we're adults and we can deal with it. But when they start going for our kids, that's when yeah, that gets the gloves come off. What what were they saying? What uh, they, what could they possibly say? Well, I, I, if I'm I'm happily will tell you because this is how sick some people are out there. Well, firstly, they were sexualizing our daughter, which was just horrific. Oh my god! And, and do you know what? It was the loveliest of pictures. It was just a picture which was taken on the shoe. It was me. It was the four was of us. And it was just photo. really, you know, you can see us in, get really engaged as a family. And uh, and then and then they said um, someone, and, and, and they're always Twitter profiles with no profile pictures. Yeah. Just... These people are. The other, and the other one was like, um, two dads will give their babies AIDS. Um, oh, my God. Just like, seriously now and then there was oh god we were, we were pedophiles we were vile we were bile we were we were disgusting we were perverts uh, our children shouldn't grow to get older because why would they want this life and it was and it was oh, a really god. lovely campaign and it's a really and fair play to Cowengate because they you know they're, they're really celebrating diversity with this campaign yeah. and it's a beautiful beautiful campaign um but you just get these absolute dickheads that just want to just be abhorrent and just vile, and and there's no other no other word for them. Th- yeah. th- those sorts of people are 
terrified and uneducated and very closed-minded and it's all coming from a place of fear i i just yeah you have to feel very sorry for people that are doing that and you have to just you just have to tell them to go away this is nothing bye and also i doubt very much that any of them would say anything in real life and they're just hiding behind their keyboards aren't they and that's that's the thing that's so scary now isn't it that they can they can do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I yeah. think is amazing is that, you know, major brands are now, you know, showcasing diversity in a, in a lot of their mainstream, you know, stuff they do, which is a massive step in the right direction, you know, mm-hmm. and we should, we should, you know, continue doing more of it because it's, it's, it's about normalizing and people seeing that, you know, a family like ours is fine. And, 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 and we're visible and we, for, for Tallulah and Duke's sake, we, we want to be visible because we don't, what we don't want is that when they're at school, when two dads are at the, the, the gate or two mummies, um, the kids are staring. You know, we want brands to get on board to show families like ours actually exist because that's only that that's the way we're going to change this opinion yeah. in the playground by, by us being visible. And it's about trying to change the future for our kids, you know, by doing a lot of stuff we do, about raising awareness and, and, you know, changing people's perceptions. It's about hopefully ensuring that the future for our children is changing and will change. Do you know what? You're absolutely right, because it's, it's all well and good us having these conversations. These conversations are so important. But for us, for having the chat, you know, we have got no issues surrounding it. But what we need to see is when we're driving into a city, we need to look up and see on a billboard to, you know, a same sex couple promoting like working with a bigger brand or opening a magazine and seeing the same sex couple mm-hmm. there and talking about surrogacy more. It needs, like you said, it needs to be everywhere to normalise. And that, I guess, yes. leads me on to this question with... Um, <laughs> Dads, what do you want from the campaign? What are you trying to achieve? The more people that see and talk about it is 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 what we want. Because as as Wes says, this this isn't about me and Wes. This this is much bigger than this. This is about us. This is about our children. Um, our children's families being visible. So it's 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 just about educating people that wouldn't normally. Um, entertain or understand how families like ours are created and and how children like ours are loved. Um, so by educating um, the, the 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 general public either about surrogacy or about same sex parenting or or about any of the, the other missions that we're involved in, um, it's going to help destigmatize. It's going to help normalize families like ours so then brands don't have to trip over themselves to collaborate with with same-sex families it just becomes part of the normal yeah. process that yeah. you know it's yeah. not so obvious it's just like oh yeah there's there's, there's two mummies or, and they don't just do it for the month of june they no, do it yeah. all year round you know and it's yeah and for me it's about you know you know when we started our journey we didn't know a lot about surrogacy and most of the people in the uk don't know a lot about uk surrogacy so if we can change that what that might mean is that more surrogates become available treatment might be cheaper and more yeah. people will have access to being able to use surrogacy to create their family which you know we speak to lots of uh, intended parents who want to you know our advice and some of them even uk surrogacy is out of reach because it's so cost prohibitive so if we can try and change that and that if that helps bring the cost down so that more people have access to it or even that it becomes accessible on the nhs then what an amazing thing yeah no absolutely and what piece of advice would you give to somebody who's about to um start this process or is thinking about it um it's a journey and it's it's not easy it's not easy and it will it will put an immense amount of pressure on your relationship or your marriage to the to the point of where you question it sometimes 
um, question the journey. Um, so be prepared for a roller coaster of emotions is, is one of the things that I would say. And, you know, you don't just necessarily have to go down the gestational route like we did. You know, we, we've got friends options, that can yeah. go through other options. So, you know, traditional surrogacy is, is, is more obtainable for, for, for people. And that can cost between 10 and 15,000 pounds, for example, because there's no IVF eggs cost. So it's about persevering. It's about just remembering, remembering what that dream and goal is and just keep coming back to that and, and, and try to stay on the path because it's a journey that's going to test you, but just bear with it. It's all worth it in the end. Absolutely worth it in the end. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And um, yeah, I just, I just can't wait to see what's next for you guys. I, I really feel passionately about what you're doing. I feel like it's so important for us to, like we said, normalise and just make this just make it the same as everything else because it because it is it's all about love isn't it absolutely absolutely thank you thank you thank you wasn't that incredible i love those two i love everything about them they're so passionate as well i know and also i learned so much you know there's so many things that you don't think about like the scan for instance going to a scan as a four Mm. um and and, you know the the sort of challenges you might face be you know being at the birth they say that um, at first, they were um, someone in the NHS said that they should hand over the baby in the car park. Yeah, God. I mean, there's, I guess there needs to be a lot of change, doesn't there? Um, so that sort of trusts and hospitals and everyone in, in that field are set up for you know for this kind of experience. It's madness, isn't it, to think that it's 2020 and we're still having to have these sorts of conversations where we're like, things need to change, people need to be re- re-educated, you know, trust yeah. needs to shake up their ideas. It's like, it's 2020, for God's sakes. People yeah. are having children in different ways now. It's not just man and woman and vagina and penis. No, no, exactly, exactly. It, um, it does, well, look, I think that, that, that they're obviously campaigning nonstop, so definitely check them out on Instagram, twodads.u.uk. They're incredible. Now, listen, we want to talk to everybody about the British Podcast Awards, don't we? We do. Um, last year, we won a silver award, didn't we, Zoe? In the yes, family, in exciting. the family space. Yeah, but this year, you can vote for us in the Listener's Choice Awards. So um, all you have to do is go to britishpodcastawards.com for forward slash vote we can put this all on our instagram you type in made by mummers and um you obviously vote for us and it's your vote alone as well so we we kind of need you to do that it would be really lovely to get that um to get that gong this year and like georgia said we'll put it all over our instagram as well but yeah if you could take a few minutes out of your day just to go down to the website and drop us a little vote that would be amazing uh, we're going to be back on friday um and it's just going to be georgia and i so yeah we'll let you know yeah. what we're talking about yeah, and as always, please do like any suggestions, send them over at Made by Mummers or to Zoe at Zoe Hardman. And we'd love you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast as well. And please, 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 we always ask you if you could let one of your, your mum mates know that you haven't maybe told about the podcast, that would be brilliant. Let's get more people listening to it. And we'll see you on yep. Friday. See you Friday. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.